Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Jay Wheeler, president of Wheeler Financial. While Jay provides traditional financial planning and investment, he believes the best value he provides his clients is helping manage their behavior when it comes to money. There is a lot that goes into the decisions we make around our finances, and many of them are very emotional. Jay is here to tell us all about behavioral finance in just a minute. You want answers? Put that coffee down. You talking to me? Hi, this is Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Good morning. Hi, how are you, Mark? Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that doesn't sound too enthusiastic. What are you, thinking about your finances and getting all wrapped up emotionally? Yeah, I'm pretty emotional today. (laughs) Just the thought of this is making me emotional. No, I'm actually pretty good. It's a beautiful day out, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm excited about this. Good, good. Well, I I am too, because, you know, I am a security-minded person. I like to know that, as I've often said, I will not be eating cat food when I retire. (laughs) So, um, you know, I love this stuff, so I'm excited to jump into it. So shall we? Yes, jump away. All right. Jay Wheeler, as Mark said, is president of Wheeler Financial based in Wilmington, Delaware. His firm's motto is, life's an adventure, plan accordingly. The company helps their clients plan for the good and the not-so-good adventures that life can bring. Jay's been acting as the quarterback of his clients' financial lives for over 10 years, and he services clients in 23 states. Hey, welcome aboard, Jay. Hey, Victoria. Mark, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this. Yeah, this is great. So behavioral finances, I mean, give us a little bit of a definition of that. Yeah, so, you know, in, in traditional finance, uh, I think we all kind of know what that is. When, when you go to a financial advisor, they're taking a look at your investments and your financial planning under a variety of circumstances. But behavioral finance takes into consideration the emotions around money. So, you know, the way I look at it is it's, it's not about the money. It's about the feelings that the money can bring. You know, you talk about, uh, Victoria, not liking to lose money, you know, that's, that's something that, that, uh, you know, as I hear that as a financial advisor, um, I want to know more about that, you know, that, that can come from either your, you know, the way you were, you grew up or, um, or just, um, you know, I, I think we need to understand whether we want to challenge you on that a little bit or whether we would want to, um, honor it or a little bit of both. So, um, there's a lot around emotion that gets gets into money, and um, we see people get in their own way, and with behavioral finance, we kind of keep them out of their own way. So what are some of the most common things that you see when you're looking at how people behave around money? Yeah, there are a lot of directions we can go in that. I'll give you one example is... Um, I think for, for people whose parents were a product of, say, the Great Depression, um, you know, I, I heard a quote um, once, and, and um, it goes, the price of security is insecurity. And so, you know, people became safe with their money by always being worried about not being safe. And so they were taught that. And so what I wind up seeing as an advisor, people make it to retirement by not spending a penny 
and then they get to retirement and they still can't spend a penny. <laughs> and so what I do is I coach them to model different scenarios. You know, one client in particular, I, I say in, in their financial plan, I have a scenario where I say, you can basically burn $30,000 a year over what you normally spend and you'll be just fine. Wow. So sometimes it takes illustrating extreme scenarios to prove to people that, you know what? I can have security and I can also live a little. So, um, and then we, we coach on the other side of things where, um, you know, financial management is just a big balancing act. So you need to know whether you can have fun now, but also be in a position to have fun uh, later on, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes I have to, to pull people aside and say, you know what, that beach house would be awesome, but it would affect your goal of retiring at age 65. So maybe we can find a little bit of balance. Maybe you're okay with retiring at 67 or 68 and get the beach house and then just challenge them to think through the different trade-offs and then they can make the decision based on whatever is consistent with their values. Now, are you doing that really like based on factual numbers, that sort of information? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I always say that um, in the absence of good data, emotion takes over your financial decision-making. So, so we can work with emotion, but by looking at the data. So, um, so we always, you know, we're, we use cash flow based financial planning software, and we're always looking at, um, the, the cash flow effects of the different decisions that people are making and therefore they can see, okay, is, you know, what is that feeling worth to me? Is it okay to not have some, you know, have a little bit of additional financial risk? Um, to have whatever I want to have now, and we can quantify that. Which mm -hmm. I know, I know, RA is big on numbers, and we are too. You know, I just read. I, I like to read like the you know the Ann Landers type advice columns sort of thing in the Post, the Washington Post. And so I was reading one the other day, and it was a husband wife been married long time, super frugal. She was not involved in the finances at all. Super frugal to the point that. He would not allow them to go and visit family or anything because they just couldn't afford it. And then he died. She finds out. She finds out that he had millions. They had millions saved. What would you know? What would your advice have been to them earlier? I mean, what could you have done to have changed that extreme emotional behavior? To me, yeah. I, I actually just I, I read a weekly blog and I wrote about financial management among couples um, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, I think one of the things is, is to, I would want to find out why, why this person uh, wouldn't spend, you know, un understand what, what it is that made them not spend. And, um, and also um, realize that, or help them to realize that, different people bring different things to the table. And I'll give you an example from my personal life is my wife likes to spend more money than I do. Um, but I respect that. That's really cool because she has brought things into our life by spending money that I wouldn't have done on my own. Um, and, um, and you know what, my, you know, me being a little more tight with money has probably, you know, that balance I think is one of the best things we have, 
uh, going for us is that we sort of challenge each other um, to say, you know, she'll say, I think we should buy this. And I'll say, well, then, okay, that's cool. But what are, you know, what do we want to trade for that? We, we'd love to have a beach house one day. And so everything that we do extra, we love remodeling projects. <laughs> everything we do extra to the house means it's a little bit later that the beach house comes along. So, um, so we respect each other and it's, it's, you know, it's a balance. And I'd say I'd encourage those people to think that way too. Jay, how, how do you actually engage with your clients from this side, it seems like a sensitive. It's it's easy to to just talk dollars and cents and say, okay, you need to put this much away. You need to do this. Let's do this with your four hundred one k. Let's do that. But if you're talking about this behavioral stuff, like what what's that kind of look like? You're almost a therapist at some degree, and it's got to be some sensitive topics you hit. Yeah, it's it's amazing though, Mark, how willing people are to share these things. I think. Um, when you approach it this way, it gives people permission to talk about it. And it's, you know, in way, it, at times it almost can be like couples therapy light, you know, because they're able to talk about some, you know, money is a big challenge in relationships. And so, um, you know, people don't have a lot of outlets to, to talk about that. So they can talk to their financial advisor about it. Um, I, you know, I, I try to be... The, one of our core values is we take a lighthearted approach to a serious subject. So Mark, I think, you know, we, we try to make it, I think people are nervous when they walk into the financial advisor's office and uh, we try to make it really easy for them to open up. Um, I, I don't judge the person who's spending too much and I don't judge the person who's spending too little. Um, what, what I, what I would challenge though, is if I saw somebody who was doing something that, that was inconsistent with their values. Um, and um, so, um, but yeah, to, to your point, people do, um, people open up pretty quickly if you give them permission to. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, how important is it? Now, you know, we work with business owners, small business owners all over the country, U.S. and Canada, and we get to see all their financials. So we can see when people, when on occasion a business owner might be taking more out of the business than the business is really earning, you know, making it go into the negative retained earnings and that sort of thing. And a lot of times, not a lot of times, sometimes we run across, well, my spouse has a certain living style that they want to maintain. So this is what I have to do. How do you coach that? Yeah, that, that is, um, it's, I think again, it's, it, we go to the, the trade-off conversation, which is, you know, that the well could run dry if you, if you continue on the path that you're on. And, um, you know, as far as business planning goes, I would want to make sure, you know, I'll, I'll answer your question question in a second, but, um, you know, I, I think, um, as, as far as that goes, I, I would start in business planning with a really nice emergency fund, um, both business and personal, um, you know, and, and if the emergency fund is where it needs to be and, uh, which is probably not in the case that you're laying out, then, um, you know, I, I, I would say, um, you know, 
take take from the business. But if you if you don't have the emergency fund that you need to have, and you're hurting future operations, um, then you're not doing the proper trade off. Because if the business if the business is done, now you have no income to fund these things. Um, but on the on the topic, back to emergency funds, real quick. Um, your emergency fund goes from being your least favorite investment immediately to being your very favorite investment. You know, and, and I, I would imagine that you work with your clients um, to, to talk about money that they have in reserve. And um, you know, I, I think about last spring at this time when things were really, really ugly. Um, I could look back. I looked at our business and I said, "Wow, you know what? Not not only are we." Uh, not able to pay our people for a very long time if things go bad and stay bad, we can also be opportunistic and we can go out and, and acquire businesses that potentially didn't plan for this and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, look at, at, at other assets to acquire. So um, not, not really the answer to your question there, but a good opportunity. I get all geeked out about emergency funds. Yeah, so, me too. Uh, <laughs> now, how, how much do you feel uh, personally a couple should have set aside for emergency fund? I mean, I've got a pretty good grip on, we'd say between four and six months overhead for the business, but what about personally? And, and I normally say, uh, I'm going to give you a long answer to a short question. So the short answer is typically we say three to six months, but when we look at behavior and we look at our relationship with risk, um, for some people it could be uh, it could be nine or twelve months. I mean, I, I have I have clients uh, who have uh, three million dollars in investment assets and five hundred thousand dollars in cash. Wow. Um, I, I don't think that's uh, necessarily appropriate, but um, I think one one of my um, one of the ways I challenge that thought process is I ask people, um, what is the cost of whatever feeling you're getting out of this? So, you know, we'll look at, we'll look at the emergency fund and let's say of the 500,000 that they have, maybe 300,000 probably should be invested elsewhere. Okay. I will show them the rate of return that they may have gotten by having that invested um, mm -hmm. maybe in, in a portfolio of stock and bonds and say, I actually did this for somebody one time and we were able to, to show that over that period of time, that feeling of extra security cost them $123,000. Yikes. So, um, so they, but you know what's interesting? They said, thanks for the heads up. And, and now we know, but we still want to have it that way. And there were, there were people, there were um, things in these people's background that made them um, you know, they, they went through some, some really tough things. And so they said, this will never happen again. But at right. least to your point earlier, we were making a data driven decision. And, um, and so for some people it's more, but, but base, you know, the base case three to six months of your expenses is good, but you should also make sure that you've got disability insurance in place because there's, you know, there's a higher likelihood of you becoming disabled and not being able to run your business then than dying. And disability insurance, frankly, is, is not that great. You know, when you look at the benefit you can get versus premium, but you really should, it's really smart to have some of that in place.
Hi, this is Tim Fowler with Remodelers Advantage. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about our roundtable program for production managers. With the surge in the economy, many companies are adding this position or finding that their production manager is not equipped to handle the intense growth. If this is the case, consider a small investment and enroll them in this opportunity for growth. Many of our guests on the Tim Fowler Show have been involved in the program, and you may have heard them mention the rewards of being involved. We meet twice a year for two days, collect and discuss performance metrics for each company, and we support each other throughout the year with microboards, smaller groups of peers who meet monthly via Zoom or by phone to discuss issues and ask for input. Currently, we have five groups, but they're full, so we're starting a sixth. The goal is to have at least eight new members for that group so we can set up for our first meeting in the fall during our summit week, September 20 through 24 in Phoenix, Arizona. There will be some preliminary meetings in July and August via Zoom to get people connected and start the growth process. If you want more information, feel free to email me at tim at remodelersadvantage.com or visit our website, remodelersadvantage.com and click on membership. Thank you. Jay, does this approach of yours affect the actual investments that you choose? Do, does it sway uh, recommendations and such? Yeah, yeah. So um, the, there's, the way that we choose to invest, we do the financial plan and then it generates an amount of money that either you have left over at the end of the year or if you're in retirement uh, and the amount of money that you need uh, to come up with to meet your expenses. So, so what I the way we invest is we use something called a bond ladder in order to help generate the income that folks need in retirement. So, um, so let's say you need let's say you're retired and you need thirty thousand dollars a year, um, and let's say you get dividends and interest of ten thousand dollars a year, but you still need to come up with twenty thousand from somewhere. Um, that. You can't, you can't depend on stocks to come up with that because look at last year, you know, if the market is down, you'd have to sell assets that are down in order to uh, generate that. So um, I'm going to explain to your listeners, a lot of them probably know how bonds work, but I'm going to pretend that, that nobody does for this exercise. So and with a mortgage, you know, we know how a mortgage works. You're borrowing money from a bank and until you pay it back, you pay them interest. Well, with a bond, um, there's either a corporation or a municipality that wants to also wants to raise money that they don't have, so they put out a bond issue, and they agree to pay interest until a set date when the bond matures. So, um, so in this case, let's say that this person needed um, their twenty thousand dollars for two thousand twenty-six. They would buy a bond that would mature in two thousand twenty-six, and until then, they get paid interest. So the latter part comes in where we buy bonds that mature each year, going out, depending on the risk tolerance, about 10 years. So, um, so Mark, when the, when the market was down last year, the behavioral coaching I'm doing with my clients is, okay, your statement is ugly. I, I told you that was going to happen from time to time because markets can be volatile. Um, it still stinks, I understand. But you have enough, you have a bond ladder that's going to cover the next 10 years of 
your uh, retirement income. Now, bonds don't have zero risk. No investment has zero risk, but we use high credit quality bonds for that, and they're less risky than stock. Um, but I said last spring, I said, hang in there. If this, if this thing goes on for 10 years, then we might have to sell some stock, but that's extremely rare. So uh, my job at that time is to just keep people in the market. Um, we've already done the planning and it's just to stick, you know, stick to the plan. Just as, you know, when your um, production folks for remodeling companies have contingencies that will pop up, um, you know, you, you need to, to stick to the plan and, and, and stick to your processes. And that's what we do in that case, even though emotions run high. Now, Jay, one of the things that we talk about is that, you know, when we're talking about business with the owners, these are modeling companies, that their business is a tool to get them what they want out of life. But we need to know what they want out of life and what those goals are before we can manipulate in a good way the business to deliver. So I say to people, if you do not have a personal financial plan, you should get one immediately. Uh, how do you feel about that? Why do people not get personal financial plans? I mean, I've had one for the last 27 years, I think. Yeah, I think, I think there are a few reasons. One is um, it's some people are not um, – people value planning in different ways. I think, um, I think some people are just not naturally drawn to planning, and they think they're going to um, – you know, the – they're going to go into the office and get told what to do. And, and, um, and so I, that's, that's one of the reasons people don't go. Another one is if they, if they gather a fair amount of documentation to meet with the planner, and I'd say that's one of the reasons why people don't okay. do it. Um, and, um, and it's, it's, it can be uncomfortable. You know, I, I think probably the number one reason is, that people are afraid they're going to hear things they don't want to hear. That's right. That's same, what I think too. Same reason that um, a person might put off uh, getting physical, you know, because maybe they've been drinking more than they think they're supposed to, and they don't want the doctor to tell them to cut back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Especially in COVID. Ah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Tell me laughs> yeah. Really. All right. This has been great. Actually, you know, it's funny because uh, I was listening to another podcast. Um, a couple days ago, and and he had this segment called "Asking for a Friend," and I thought it was really, really cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that right now or borrow it. I'm gonna say, and this is asking for a friend. What is your opinion on borrowing from your 401k? I think you should do it as a last resort. Okay. Um, you know the, the uh, you're you know you're not participating in the market. Um, those investments aren't participating in the market. And with interest rates as low as they are right now, I'd say that, you know, there are other places to, to look to borrow first. Um, so, uh, you know, like getting a home equity line of credit, interest rates are, are really low. Uh, take out a home equity, home equity line of credit. That, that money, you know, if used for a remodeling project, which everybody should do, right? Um, <laughs> that, that, uh, interest is tax deductible on that if it's used for your home. So um, I would, I think there are uh, other places to look first. Right. Um, but if, you know, if, um, 
if it is, I wouldn't say never, I, I don't say never too much, uh, but I'd say I'd look at other options first. Cool. Well, this has been great. I think it's time that we, uh, we look inside your head and ask you some lightning round questions. What do you think? Let's do it. And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap. All right, we're putting 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? Uh, Delivering Happiness. Um, and I just love the Zappos way. And um, the, the customer service focus that they have is, is phenomenal. Uh, and, and I also love how one of their core values is to get a little weird. And, um, you know, in behavioral finance, uh, our approach is a little bit non-traditional. We love it. We think that's what people, you know, they, they may come to us for the financial management, but we think they stay for the behavior. If you weren't a financial planner, what do you think you'd be doing? A teacher. No brainer. What are you not very good at? This might be too long for the lightning round. I, I've got, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to take a look at at what I'm, I'm not good at and only do things that I am good at. And a little quick plug for the kind of work that you do in working with another consultant in my industry. They got me to try and spend all of my time uh, only doing the things that I love doing and that I'm really good at. So I'm fortunate enough to have uh, people around me who are really good at the operational details that I'm not that passionate about um, so that I can spend time as a thought leader and with clients. Your room, your desk, or your car, which would you clean first? Car. Name a movie you've seen more than 10 times. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> if you could have a theme song, what would it be? Ooh. Um, I, you know, first thing that pops into my mind is I'm, I'm a huge Philly sports fan, so I'm going with the Rocky theme. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> James has been awesome. Really, really interesting. You know, I'm I love this the whole concept of financial planning, both in your business and in your personal life. Again, as I said, because I'm such a security nut, I I don't want to have to worry. So that's I'm really excited about what you what you shared with us today. Now, first of all, how do people find you if they want to learn more? Our website is wheelerfinancial-llc.com. Uh, you can email me. Uh, jay.wheeler at raymondjames.com. And uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a blog that, uh, that I post on LinkedIn and Facebook uh, every week, and you can, uh, you can follow that. All right. Great. Perfect. And lastly, before I let you go, and while we appreciate this greatly, I want you to share with us your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. I heard this at a conference once, and, and, and it went like this. Emotion puts money in motion. And uh, you can look at it in, in a million different ways. Um, but, I, you know, get past the dollars and start looking at the feelings around, uh, that, around your money. Um, and I, I think your business owners probably do this, too. Probably the best ones look at the emotion um, around the projects that they have. I mean... Geez, you, you guys have such a leg up on me on what you can put on your website. I, I have to find stock photos. You can put pictures of all your awesome mm -hmm. work to elicit mm -hmm. an emotional response to, to help to build your business. But um, yeah, the, the emotional piece is, uh, is so big in money. And 
And we didn't really talk much about cognitive bias today, which is a big part of behavioral finance. But one of the things I'm dealing with uh, right now is, is, and over the past few years, is helping people to keep their uh, political opinions from influencing their investments. So, mm -hmm. you know, over the, the, you know, from 2006 through 2020, I was doing that with Democrats, and now I'm doing it with Republicans. And I, it's amazing. I send the same message, which is don't invest based on your politics and your emotions. Um, and it's just, it's the same message, but to different groups of people. Yeah. So, um, but obviously politics is very emotionally charged and can cause people to make um, bad decisions. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that seems like that's a real tough one to tackle. Yeah, no kidding. I've... Yeah, it's been a lot of hours on the phone with that, but that's <laughs> that's that's what people pay for. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. All right, great. Thank you so much, Jay. This has been wonderful. Appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. Yeah, thanks so much, Victoria and Mark. I appreciate the time. Have a great day. All right, bye, Jay. Thanks, Jay. We'll see you. So emotions and decision making and finances. Those are three. Uh... I wouldn't want his job. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, well, I, I thought it from I thought in the past that maybe doing that would be kind of fun. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, actually, like when you start to, I mean, especially when you added at the end there about trying to get people off the political edge, yeah. and every four years or eight, depending on the year, you know, having to do it with the other half of your clientele because they're switching and flopping based on on the politics of it all. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, me, I hate politics. I, talking politics, I don't want to get into that conversation with anybody because it's just a bad <laughs> road to go down. <laughs> so that alone was, you know, but just all of it. I mean, it's it's tough to get into those kinds of conversations. I think, and you know, you know, one of the questions I wish we would have asked him is like, out of a hundred clients, how many are spending too much? What percentage are spending? more than they should and what percentage are p spending less than they should hmm. you know because it, it seems to me from what i see that there's far more people spending too much really yeah hmm. yeah and that's that's why that story i read about you know the woman who found out they had all these this money and her husband was such a miser they lived a crappy life because right. he was such a hoarder so afraid right. like, how horrible but I I don't see that very often. Any, anything anything to an extreme is bad. Yeah. To the good or to the bad. Yeah. Too much of anything is too bad. You know, and just like you make a business plan, you make a project plan, you make a budget, you, all this planning, to me, is the key to success. So how can you go through life without a financial plan knowing what you need to live the life you want for years to come? I think he nailed it. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, just the same reason why some people just don't want to go see the doctor. Yeah. Or, you know, you just, I don't, it's it's a hassle. I don't want to go through it. I I hope he doesn't say something I don't want to hear. You mm -hmm. just want to avoid the whole thing, you know? Yeah, you don't want him to say stop spending when right. that's what you like to do. Right, right. Yeah. If he's if if you go and see the planner and they're like, hey, you got 30000 a year you can burn. <laughs> like yeah, I'd be burning time. it, man. I'd be, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I love those the models. Now we didn't, I didn't ask Jay about it, but he was talking about the bond ladder and knowing that certain right. money was going to come in at certain times. And like I've told you before, that my financial planner did this Monte Carlo 
yeah. simulation with me that I just found fascinating. Yeah, we had her on a couple years ago. On That's the show. right, Sasha, Sasha Millstone. Yeah. yeah, also with Raymond James. So you could probably look that um, look uh, that one up. That's she was, right. She was talking about the Monte Carlo. Yep. Thing. Very interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, we want to thank Jay Wheeler for participating today and sharing a little bit, just a fraction of all that he could have talked about on behavioral investing and finance. And of course, we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. If you don't know it already, I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the remodeler's guide to business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.